0: We've been in a series called Loving Generously, and we've been following the story of the Donovan family. And to sort of give you a little bit of a picture, you know, there's been some stresses that the family has faced as they have been growing towards perfection, not without fault. Remember? Remember? For those of you that were here, it's a perfect day. It's a perfect day. And that word doesn't mean without fault, but it means completeness. It means, um, it, it means complete and... Um, and and maturity. So so as the Donovan family has been growing towards maturity in their relationship with Christ and towards more likeness in him and and living generously and loving generously, they have faced an awful lot of tensions in their life, uh, especially as they have begun to love people that are a little bit different than they are. And so through this series and the clips that we've seen, we have been discussing this, so this is a little bit different because we have a lot of discussion amongst us. Because I think this is really healthy, and I think it, and it, and it gets us to to really the motors running up top. Because it's so easy for us to sometimes dish out resources and never address the issue of what it's like to love generously and give of ourselves. So, um, in the first series, we saw where Frank and Cassie. Um, and their friends were putting on a benefit for those at the soup kitchen. Ray had challenged him. He said, listen, just don't invite people to the table that can benefit you. He said, invite people to the table that, 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 that can't do anything for you at all. Um, and so they invited some of the people to the benefit that the benefit was supposed to benefit. And the people that were coming to the benefit to give resources didn't like that very much. As a matter of fact... A lot of people got up and left and just said, hey, just count us in for the, for the check. But you really caught us off guard this year. And so we saw that tension. And at the end of that conversation, because there was only a few people left to celebrate that night, they raised the resources, but, but there was an awful lot of food left, and there was just one table at the end of the night. And that night at the, at the table, there was a conversation where Julia and Thomas were there and Julia, who was a, a young girl, and Thomas, who were two needy young people. They're not married. They were just a couple. Um, Julia announced to the table that she had lost her housing and Cassie and Frank, Cassie immediately spoke up and said, listen, you come stay with us because we have, we have extra space in our house because the Donamans have extra resources. They've done pretty good in life. The next series the next week we pick it up and we see Cassie and Julia in that extra room and it's full of all kinds of stuff good stuff and Cassie's embarrassed because there's a bed that's there but it's not a good bed and Julia really wasn't thinking about a good bed she was just excited to have a roof over her head and so, in the midst of the clutter, she says, "Listen, I, I'm, we'll get we'll get rid of all this stuff, and I'll go out and buy you something new, and we'll redo the room." And that was the that was just not the, what was on her mind. But in the midst of all the, the the conversation and what took place, they decided, Cassie and Frank decided they'd do a yard sale. And you may remember at the at the end of the yard sale, Megan, who was the daughter of Frank and Cassie, sitting at the table, um, asked Julia, Julia mom and dad said that you sort of lost your housing what happened and it was at that time that julia announced to her she said i've made a lot of bad decisions in life a lot of bad bad choices and she gave us the indication um the impression that she was a prostitute didn't say that but we we all knew what was taking place in it when she had met Thomas, this other young man that he had basically rescued her and showed her that there was life that was different. And when she refused to work for this gentleman any longer, he took her housing away. And so um, we see um, Frank and Ray, um, where the money was being collected to give to the soup kitchen, basically look at each other and go, I don't think we're gonna use this money for the soup kitchen. And then last week we saw, Frank and Ray and, and uh, Mark and Chuck, and the guys go to the place where um, G5 lived and the girls lived and they took the $2,000 to pay off a debt that she had that was hanging over her head so that she could live in freedom and not have to worry about that debt any longer. In the midst of that, we see where the guys are arrested for solicitation of prostitution. You remember that? Sort of funny. Um, and so, um, you know, when's the last time you had a police officer that hears the word, just call my wife, she'll tell you that everything's okay. Um, believe it or not, I've been in that situation where I've worked with the sheriff's department in prostitution stings over in Seminole County, and I've been there at the, at the time when they are bringing in the people and we're being, or they're being arrested, and I have never heard that mentioned, okay? Don't ever say call my wife never been part of the conversation so anyway um, but there was some really important comments that that were said and I wanted to read those to you because Chuck said something because Chuck really identified at that moment in time with some things that the that the G5 had to say and he said something about this Chuck said people think that the worst thing about being poor is not having money is, is not having money but when you're poor it isn't about the money When you have nothing, it's like you're on the other side of the wall and everyone and everything you need is on the other side and you can't do anything about it. And then Chuck made reference to knowing what it was like to be a garbage man to go up and down the street and nobody ever pay attention, yet the mailman come along and they want to bless him at Christmas. They want to bless him at Thanksgiving and they want to do something special for him. And then he looked at G5, and he said something like this, you know what your problem is? Life isn't about what others can do for you, but it's what you can do for them. And at the end of last week, Thomas said, if I could just marry Julia right now, I'd marry her. And Ray said, well, you know, I'm an ordained pastor. And it was Frank that was on the phone with his wife Cassie and said, Cassie, Do you still have that wedding dress? Let's pick up the five or six minutes of this video, and then we'll share some passages of Scripture together, and then we'll discuss some questions I think that will be beneficial for us.
1: Places, people, places. T-minus 24 hours. This wedding may be hasty, but it's not going to be sloppy. Ray, you're going to stand right over here. It sounds so
2: beautiful. <laughs> Excuse me. Frank, Cassie, can I have a word, please? We tried knocking.
3: Sorry about that. Getting ready for this wedding has been crazy. We're all running around.
2: <laughs>
3: so what can we do for you?
2: The wedding?
4: Yeah, for some friends of ours. Uh, They were at the banquet a few weeks ago. I think it was the one that you left
2: early from. Frank, let me cut to the chase. We've received a number of complaints at the homeowners association about the yard sale last week.
4: Complaints? From whom?
2: That's not important. What is important is that we have a responsibility to ensure a reasonable expectation of security in our community. We live in a gated community. It's gated for a reason. I'm.
3: Sorry, was there something unsafe about a yard sale?
4: The financial investment that you guys have made down at the soup kitchen is wonderful. And we're all for helping those folks down there find work.
1: We just don't know if it was a good idea to hire them to work at your yard sale. I mean, did you do any background
4: checks? They're not our employees, Mark, they're our friends.
1: We're just all concerned for you, that's all. Um, listen, were you and Eddie arrested last week for solicitation? So are my
2: parents in some kind of trouble with the neighborhood? I don't know. I know there was kind of a big stink about those people at the yard sale. What people? The homeless people. They're not homeless. They're really nice, actually. Well, whoever they are, my parents were all, the Donovans are acting weird lately. We don't want you going over there without asking us. That's stupid. Is it? I mean, doesn't it freak you out just a little? You've got this girl living with you who people are saying used to be a professional. And you've got all these homeless people or whatever coming to your house. It's kind of weird. For now, this is just an informal warning. But if you insist on continuing to put our community at risk, we'll be forced to consider probationary status. Probationary status?
4: Mark and Marianne, you're on board with this? We've been friends since our kids were in diapers. (laughs) Frank, none of us expects it to come to that. We just want things the way they were. And then everything will be fine.
2: And by the way, an event of this size has to be approved by the HOA at least a month in advance. We have to confer over things like security, parking, street access. You come to our Christmas party every year.
3: We host five times as many people as will be at this wedding. And you've never once told us that we need to discuss this with the HOA.
2: I'm sure you won't have trouble finding some place to move it. Otherwise, we're going to have to call the police.
1: Thomas, is something wrong? Oh, look at you! Breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Thomas, she looks so beautiful.
4: Can you describe her for me?
1: Thomas, it is bad luck for the groom to see the bride in her gown before the wedding.
2: <laughs> is everything okay?
4: Yeah. It should. Could you give us a second, Dolores?
0: What's wrong? I
3: thought it was going to look beautiful. Yeah. Oh man, this cape to a friend of ours.
1: Okay. 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 General <coughs> Patton.
4: Excuse me. Can I have everyone's attention? I never knew you could grow so close to people so quickly. We want to thank you, all. We are so extremely grateful for everyone around this table and I can think of nothing better than to share our wedding with you. But we've decided we should postpone the wedding. What? 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 Postpone?
3: What? What? What's going on?
4: Cassie and Frank, Megan, and Evan, you have all invited us into your homes and into your lives, and we can't ask you to sacrifice your friendships as well.
3: Thomas overheard your conversation with the Homeowners' Association. We think it's wonderful that you still wanna do this for us anyway, but we can't ask you to do that. It's not fair to you. We can wait a little while anyway.
4: We've enjoyed a pretty good standing in this community for as long as we've been here. And we're thankful for that. But not at the expense of living the way that God has called us to live. When he says that the world will hate us because he has chosen us out of the world, I really don't get that. And I don't want to be hated by anyone, especially friends like Mark, Mary Ann, but if they hate us because we share our lives with you clowns, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all right with that.
3: We got you a gift. Oh, you did not need to get us anything. We didn't. Exactly. What is it? It's a 12A.
4: A 12 what? Um,
3: It's for the door of the guest house. When we offered you that space, we thought you'd be with us longer. And although we're happy that you have a good reason for moving out, we'll miss you. So as a family, we decided to keep that space available for anyone that might need it in the future. And in your memory, we have decided to christen it unit one, two, a. Hey.
1: One to another. Be devoted one to another in love. Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> we thought that uh, we'd make it sort of our unofficial motto.
3: It's perfect.
1: <laughs> How about
4: a toast then? To Thomas and Julia. And to outdoing one another and showing honor. Cheers. Cheers.
0: You're picking up something every week, aren't you? Well, you take your Bibles and let's look at some passages together. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, if you'll take that. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16. By the way, tomorrow when you come, for those of you that can, to serve at Beyond the Walls, and for those of you that don't know where Beyond the Walls is, it's, it's right here to my left on the end uh there are multiple things that you're able to do not just pack food or serve food but there are next to hug there are people to touch communicate with uh to shake hands uh, just to smile at to pray with and there are things that your children can do things that you can do and so i uh, just make sure you see hannah if you'd like to be a part of that matthew 16 chapter or matthew chapter uh, chapter 16 verse 24 um, there in the Gospel of Matthew in the, uh, in the first book of the New Testament. Let me, let me read to you what Jesus said to his disciples. And I want to read these two passages of Scripture to you and leave a little bit of time for our discussion today because I think there's a lot of really meaty stuff in here today. But this is the passage I want to read to you to start off with. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower you must turn from your selfish ways i want you to think about that just for a second if any of you want to be my follower you must turn from your selfish ways now now when i think about the word turn in reference to this the word turn is repent repent turn turn selfish selfish is natural right what is unnatural selfless. Natural is selfish. Unnatural is selfless. If any of you wants to be a follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, repent, take up your your cross. It's a very interesting thought because that thought of taking up your cross doesn't mean to bear a burden. What he's saying there, you have to understand the context of what's taking place They knew the significance of the cross in Jesus' time. They knew that it was a symbol of suffering and shame. That it was also a symbol of death. Take up your cross. Surrender. Willing to die to self. Surrender. Submit. When we think about kings and we think about kingdoms, which... That was in the context of that time frame. You think about possessions and you think about um, position and power and pleasure. But here's Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, turn from your selfish ways, take up your quarrels, surrender, submit, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. That's odd. If you try to hang on to it, you'll lose it. But if you give your life up for my sake, you'll save it. And what you do, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Um, you know, it's easy to follow Jesus when everything's going smooth. But in the journey of following Christ, there will be pain and suffering. There will come a time when you stand at a crossroads and things are not so easy and the sense of our dedication and our commitment to Christ is seen at that time. It's not seen here on Sunday mornings when everything's going well, but it's seen behind the scenes many times in the, in the conflicts of relationships or at work or in the, in the financial issues of life or in the struggles that we have. And it's in those times when our faith is tested that we find out truly where our faith lies. But here's Jesus, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, understand the significance of it, and follow me. If you hang on to it, you're going to lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you will save it. When we hang on to our lives, you know what ends up happening? We end up dying spiritually and we lose sight of the significance of our intended purpose as believers, Steve. Yet when we give it up, and we let go of it, and we say, Jesus, your will, not my will. Your plan instead of my plan. Your agenda instead of my agenda. Your stuff instead of my stuff. There's something that happens inside of us. There's life that takes place. And all of a sudden, we begin to experience purpose. And it's something that's bigger than the moment. And something that lasts for eternity. The other passage of Scripture that I want you to think about, and I say that, this is a good passage because this is what's happening in the lives of the Donovans. As you watch and as you see the transformation that's taking place. Turn to the, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Here it is that Paul writes this while in prison. Another one of his prison epistles and this is what Paul says in Philippians three eight, and the words will be on the screen for us. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting in, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Here is Paul, a man of, who had accomplished so much, who had accomplished so much from an earthly perspective. And declared everything that he had accomplished, everything that he had obtained, everything that he had come to to value, he declared it valueless. And he declared it worthless when he compared it to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And here was Paul, because of the life transformation that had happened in in his journey, in his faith with Jesus his complete life, he was willing to reorder, to reprioritize his life so that he could know Christ better. Here's a question for you. How has your life changed? How have you intentionally, how has your life intentionally been readjusted, changed, reprioritized so that you could know Christ better. Paul said, listen, everything else is worthless. Everything else is valuable when it comes to knowing Christ. And he re-prioritized everything so that he could come to know Christ better. So why think about one of the questions for us is what in our lives has changed so that we might know Christ better? Think about the lives of the Donovans and what in their lives has changed so that they might know Christ better. Okay, just a couple of Thoughts there that I want you to hold on to. Now, how many of you think that um, the subdivision president or chairman or whatever she is, she's got a pretty irritating personality. How many of you would raise your hand? (laughs) Golly. I, I want to ask you how many of you think you know somebody like that? How many of you think she's probably goes to to the to the church down the street? I mean, isn't that a fair question to ask? I mean, because she's just being fair and honest. I mean, she's being truthful. You know, I'm just being truthful. I'm being honest. But I mean, I wonder how many of us might recognize her, might even put her in the place. Sometimes that's how church people act, right? Not as, a, not as a Jesus follower, though. And she makes the statement. She says, we live in a gated community, and it's gated for a reason. So here's... Here's a question I want you to turn around and talk about for like two minutes amongst yourselves. I want you to ask uh, the question, what are some of the barriers or the walls that we put up in our lives that tell others you have no access? Does that make sense? I want you to talk about this for a second amongst yourselves to turn around. What are some barriers or walls that we tend to put up in our lives that say to others, no access? So do that for a couple of minutes and then we'll discuss it. Take about one more minute. Things that say no access. 20 seconds. 54321. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about some things that say no access. What are some signs that tell people no access? You don't have any access, or there's a wall. What are some of those things that we maybe put up in our lives? We see. Too busy? Okay. What is? Withdrawal. Withdraw? Okay. What else? Fear. Who? Fear. 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 I'm getting old and I can't hear. <laughs> I, I got to see Paige Holt. That's what I'm doing. Right. Somebody else. What else? Yes. Gates Putting gates up. Putting yeah. like, up. Keep keep Fences. It used to be that fences were used to keep animals in and out, but now it's to keep people in and out. Think about that. What else say no access? Yes, Karen? Judgment? Okay. Tradition? Tradition? Pride? Pride? Ignorance you ignore? ignore. (laughs) No trespassing signs. Have big dogs with big teeth. Do not cross line or we'll bite. I mean, think about the things that we do sometimes to say no access because we just don't want to deal with it. John? Who? Your demeanor, attitude, demeanor. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very, very true. Um there was a statement that was made. It said, we're we are for all for helping those folks. And then he asked the question, did you do any background checks? Um, we're really concerned about you. <laughs> and then comes the real question. Um, he said something about, were you and Eddie arrested for solicitation? You know, think, think about our conversations sometime and how we beat around the bush to try to, yeah. We're really concerned about you. Did you do any background checks? Were you and Eddie caught, were y'all caught for solicitation? Um, I want to I wanna, I wanna talk about something just for a second. I want to read some notes that I wrote down because now I want to say something. I want to enter into a time that I think is very, very serious for all of us, especially those of us that are parents or grandparents. And I want you to hear what I've what I've got to say. Because there was something that took place in this video, and we've seen it, and it'll be played out over the next, specifically over the next two weeks, that's very, very valuable for us. And a lot of times we don't understand the significance of the legacy that we leave and the legacy that we're imprinting into our children and grandchildren. We talk an awful lot about legacy of faith and the responsibility of encouraging and discipling the next generation of believers. Do you remember the conversation between Megan and Allison that took place? And um, they're sitting, um, I think, in like in maybe Megan's bedroom. And something is said like, um, Megan says, are my parents in some kind of trouble or something with people in the neighborhood? And then you've got two different perspectives. There's two different perspectives that, that take place. Allison said, no, there was a big stink about the homeless people at the yard sale. And Megan says, they're not homeless, but they're actually nice. Um, let, me, let me say this right here. Um, Megan ends up going on to say something like, that's stupid. Um, and then Allison said, doesn't it freak you out? that you've got a girl living with you that some people say used to be a professional and that you have these homeless people coming to your house, that's really weird. Now here's the question for us. Do you think that there was a conversation that had happened in the homes of those two children about what was going on? Do you think that those two children's perspective about what was happening was flowing from their family? Where do you think our children get their perspectives from? Um, Do you think that maybe there was conversations around the table about the homeless people and about... Um, how sorry they were, and how terrible they were, and how, you with me? I wonder what some of the things that Megan heard around the table. I wonder what some of the things were that Allison heard around the table. And you know what? They happen every day around the tables of professing believers both perspectives. Are you with me? And yet we talk about leaving a legacy of faith. And it ain't. it's not because of what happens here at the church house. It's what happens on the outside people. In the homes. If you really want to know where the legacy is built, that's where it happens. So much of imprinted into the lives. Yes, there are children that come here, and yes, there are multiple stories, but if you want to talk about imprinting, it happens around the table, and it happens around the homes of where parents and grandparents have conversations. That's where it happens at. Do you ever think about how our conversation as adults affect our children, or how conversations as grandparents affect our children or grandchildren? They have a tremendous impact. Then there was a time where Frank and and Cassie was threatened. Um, What was it they were told? You're putting our community at risk, right? You're putting our community at risk, and we will be forced to put you on probationary status. Um, And Frank says, "Mark and Marianne, I mean, are you? I mean, we've been friends since our kids were in diapers. Um, And you remember what he said? We just want things to be like they were." And then there were some rules that were thrown around. You Remember the rules? You know, it's amazing how we use rules. We use them to benefit us, don't we? That's like playing a card game or a, you know, you know, we don't say anything about the rules until the rules benefit us, right? Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever use the rules to benefit you? And here it was, Victoria, pulls out the stakes and all of a sudden says, oh, well, you can't do that because rule number so-and-so says this. And what is it that Cassie said? What in the world are you talking about? We have a Christmas party here. There's five times the number of people and you've never said anything about anything having to be approved. Where did that come from? We throw out the rules and use the rules to our advantage. Why do we even have rules to start off with? What was it that Thomas overheard? remember Thomas what was it that he overheard huh that's right. He overheard the conflict on the outside that that of uh, Frank Frank and Cassie being threatened and so um, so his response was what what did what do you think Thomas Well, we find out what did Thomas and Julius say? What was their response to to Frank and Cassie being threatened just to back off. Back off. Even though they were poor, they were tender in spirit one day. Were they submissive or rebellious? They were submissive. And they didn't want anything to happen to Frank and Cassie because of them. It didn't matter even if it, if it cost them time they were willing to go the extra mile because of their love for Frank and Cassie. Um, and Thomas said something like this. He said, I never knew you could grow so close to people so, so quickly. And here they are sitting around the table, and Frank makes the, the, the comment at the table in reference to the threats. Um, and he said, Frank said, um, Frank said something like this. We've had a good standing in this community while we've been here, but not at the expense that, that God has called us to live. What do you think Frank was saying? I mean, we've had a, we've had a good standing. We've had a good run at it while it's, while it's been going, but not at the expense to how God has called us to live. What do you think Frank was saying? Do what? Time to move? what god wanted was was more important than what they wanted and sometimes doing god's work makes you uncomfortable or when you're growing like that change. oh yeah they had to be uncomfortable i mean this this was i mean this was their investment i mean this was their friends and all of a sudden they're t- they're taking it on the head because because they're not doing what everybody else wants them to do how far was he willing to go He's willing to move. Um, and then he makes a statement. Um, he says in John fifteen nineteen, he basically he recites that passage. The world would love you as long as um, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And Frank said, "I don't want to be hated. I don't want to be hated." I don't want to be disliked, especially by our friends like Mark and Marianne and Allison. But if they hate us for loving clowns like you, I'm okay with that. And then there was the gift. What was the gift? The door plaque. And that door plaque, 1-2-A. And if you remember, the, the, the place that they had offered... Julia to live, uh, didn't really have a time frame on it. But here now that Thomas and Julia were going to get married, they had their own place that they would move into. And yet they had made a decision as a family to do something extraordinary. And what was that decision? What was it? Make that apartment available. available. So here they are. They're going to make the apartment available. They had a resource and they said, God, you've spoken to our hearts. What we're going to do is we're going to make this apartment available. And they decided to call it apartment 1-2-A, one Two another. And then they explained it to be devoted to one another in love in showing honor. Um, It's been pretty interesting walking up to this point. Watch this little piece of a teaching and then we're gonna close out together and teach you something that I think will be very helpful.
1: The Bible warns us a lot about persecution. The world hates you because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. All who are godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be holy literally means to be different, set apart, unlike the world. And the simple fact of the matter is this, if you don't love the world, the world won't love you. If you refuse to do the things the world wants you to do, refuse to value the things the world values, to confess the things the world confesses is true, well, you're going to ruffle some feathers if you don't fly with the flock. Holiness comes at a cost. Paul says that we are like an aroma of life to some, an aroma of death to others. Some we summon on to true life. Others be reminded of their sin and their lack of faith. When you give yourself wholly to the least of these, you may find yourself persecuted as a result. We may not live in a time and place when true believers are fed to the lions, but if we're not experiencing any opposition, we might need to ask why the same world that was deathly afraid of Jesus seems perfectly comfortable with us. The cost is only a part of the story though. For the fellowship of those who are found in Jesus is sweet, for they are devoted one to another. One to A is a charge to all of us. The scriptures call us to show love one to another, honor one to another, hospitality and compassion one to another, If we truly do these things, there will be a cost, but there will also be an extraordinary reward. What about you? Is God calling you to step out in faith and show the world what love really looks like? Is he asking you to love the unlovable? Is he asking you to follow Jesus and make yourself a servant to the least of these? And are you ready to know what Paul meant when he said that the cost, the suffering and the persecution and not even begin to compare to the surpassing greatness of knowing jesus and being found in him
0: you know it'd be really easy for us to come out of this today and go but i just don't have an apartment to loan and you totally miss the whole process <laughs> but you got something it may be your time it may be talent it may be possessions I don't know what it may be, but every one of us have something. You remember the statement was none of us are too poor that we don't have something that we can't give, and none of us are too rich that we don't have something that we can't receive. Um, the greatest gift of all that was ever given was Jesus Christ, when our Heavenly Father looked down and gave that greatest gift so that we could have eternal life. Um, by far the greatest gift ever, ever given. And on the, on the journey of faith, you know, for those of us that are followers of Christ, the thing is that we've been talking about is how do we not only learn to live more, more generously, but learn to love more generously. I, I heard somebody say to me this past week, I feel really guilty because God has blessed me with a lot of resources. And I said, don't feel guilty because God has blessed you with a lot of resources, God has given you a great opportunity. The question isn't about having great resources, it's how are you using those resources? And we talked about you know, you know, how many of us use the resources that God has given us from a, from a perspective of, of stewardship. I mean, how many of us tithe? How many of us, not only of our financial resources, how many of us tithe of our time? I mean, how many of us tithe of our lives? We, we like to get off on that 10% the guys but listen scripturally New Testament it's all his it's all his not a portion but it's all his some of us feel good about giving a couple of resources just writing a check but it's more than just writing a check it's the condition of the heart what we wanted to do is we wanted to teach you something because I think this is sort of the heartbeat of the whole series. And it's a little bitty coarse. And we want to teach it to you. I want Brian to teach it to you. He'll sing it to you one time. And then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing it over two or three different times as we close out today. And this is our this is our prayer that we would come to the place that that we would want to be the light of the world. Just as God has called us to be, that as we're becoming more like Jesus and living generously and loving Jesus that, and, and, and loving generously, that we would become the light that he's called us to be. And just like that young man this past week, that others would see Christ in us, and there would be a sweet aroma. There are multitudes of people that don't want to come to a church, guys, because of what they've seen in the past of people that call themselves believers, maybe just like Victoria. We've got to face it. She sits in every church. He sits in every church. It's not the church I want to go to. Not at all.